Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is the Hockey News Podcast. Welcome back to the Hockey News Podcast presented by BetMGM McKenney Hockey. I'm Mike Stevens. This is Ryan Kennedy. Ryan, you know, spring has sprung. There's uh, warmth in the air. It's lovely. Mm-hmm. And playoffs are approaching. What a, what a fun time to be a hockey fan, I got to say. Is. This, is, uh, this is great. Um, all right, so let's just hop right in. This yep. has been a lot of hockey. And we were pretty hard on Daryl Sutter last week. We were. Uh, you know, and I think, obviously, for hockey reasons, rightly so. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also very important, I think, for us to point out when, when anyone, like to, to, to cover the both sides and point out when someone does good things. And Daryl Sutter, you know, we've, it's been talked to death, um, the, uh, you know, certain NHLers boycotting Pride Night. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everyone's uh, opinions of that are known. I personally am against it. Uh, against people boycotting it, not right. against the yeah. So I want to make very sure, very clear. Um, so the Calgary Flames, who have some incredible jerseys that they're going to be wearing yes. during warmups, and ma- you even commented on it on Twitter. Just it's just a are. wildly great year for jerseys, particularly the the one off specialty ones. Exactly, yes. just a great great job uh, they're doing there. And Daryl Sutter, um, you know, because we we live in the age of you know media trained answers and and you know. Uh, just sort of like leaving everything up for interpretation and, and sort of covering your own butt, if you will. And Daryl Sutter straight up was like, you know, we're going to be participating in it. Uh, in Pride Night, we're going to be wearing the, the jerseys and warm-ups. So we're going to have a lot of fun there. And it was also asked, would you welcome an openly, an openly queer and openly gay person uh, in your locker room? He said, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you know, especially at a time now where, um, where certain players are, uh, you know, are making their, their views against a certain group of people known. I think it's very important that we highlight the positives uh, that come out of this, that we highlight when a, a, a coach who, look, a lot of people might have thought, you know, just because he's an old traditionalist kind of guy, some people might have thought the opposite. Some people might have thought, you know, oh, maybe he's, he'd say, oh, I wouldn't want it to be a distraction for the team. No, he was very, very, I think that's extremely important and extremely, you know, worthy of praise and, and sort of amplification now, you know, given what has been going on lately. Certainly, and, you know, what it speaks to is, you know, Daryl Sutter wants the best for his team. And mm-hmm. if you're on his team, then you are, you're a part of it, you know, no matter where you came from. And, you know, in his talk, he was saying, like, look, when I was playing, we only had, like, one or two Swedes or, like, yeah. one or two Russians or, you know, uh, like, one or two BIPOC players in the league. And things have really changed now where, obviously, the league's more diverse than it used to be. And it's sort of trending, it's continuing to trend in that direction. But... You know, it's this idea of, like, same team. Like, if you're on the Calgary Flames, then you're one of us, and, you know, we accept you, and we want you, you know, uh, pulling in the same direction because we have goals, and everybody is accepted. And I I think that's really important. Uh, As you mentioned, you know, Sutter's seen as, like, an old-school guy, Mm -hmm. uh, but so is Brian Burke. And obviously we know that Brian Burke has been a huge advocate of, uh, of all pride activities uh, over the years and has, has been a great ally mm-hmm. uh, for that community. So, you know, it's, it's not a political thing. Um, you know, we're just, we're talking about people's existence. Yeah. And uh, I'm not really sure how that's political. And, you know, it, it is heartening to see 
coaches, uh, executives in the NHL say, look, like, you know, we, we find value, uh, whether it be a, a potential player or just fans, where if you're pulling for the Calgary Flames, then yeah, they, you know, they accept you. And I, I think it is an important message, uh, particularly somebody of Sutter's stature, who is a Stanley Cup mm-hmm. winner. Jack Adams last year. Jack yeah. Adams, yeah. you know, very well respected around the league. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it can certainly be divisive in his coaching style. Yes. But the fact that, you know, his belief system is that strong, mm-hmm. as you say, is very heartening to see. Yeah, and I also think as well, like, we, you, Brian Burke has done some absolutely... Uh, done some incredible things uh, for it. And, you know, his late son, Brendan, um, was, uh, you know, did, you know, did come out as gay during his lifetime. Um, and I think that, you know, when, when we hear a lot of this, we, we hear, when we hear uh, people being allies, we do hear, uh, I, think, I think a lot of that comes from, oh, well, you know, my best friend is gay or I have a gay family member and I want them. And I don't know anything about, about you know, like the, the orientation of Sutter's family, but at least from where I'm looking at right now, like, he's just someone... It's important for any people who don't have personal ties to that community to still come out and still just advocate for their existence. Mm-hmm. I think that's extremely important. Like you know, it's uh, it's important for people who they it doesn't like you know they don't have any. It, it, it's not about them. You know, right. it's it's like it's not like you know I'm I'm advocating because my you know my brother is gay and I want his. No, it's I'm advocating for this group of people because they just they deserve to be treated like human beings you know right. and you know it has nothing to do with me but i have a platform and i want to spread you know positivity and ad- and advocate for that and i think that's that, like you know like we've said many times here extremely heartening to see um, and it's you know after the the week of boycotting pride nights and just terrible quotes and you know like people putting their putting their foot in their mouths and stuff mm-hmm. like that i think it is just the, like to hear a, a quote like this from someone like sutter I think it's extremely, you know, it's just important and it's like a breath of fresh air and, and I hope, uh, hope it continues. Um, all right, moving on to some hockey stuff. Pierre-Luc Dubois. Now, I haven't noticed necessarily the, the rumors hitting a fever pitch, maybe. Mm-hmm. Elliot Freeman mentioned okay. it and that's what uh, got people going. Well, everyone knows that Pierre-Luc Dubois wants to be a Montreal Canadian. Right. It was apparent at the draft last year. We were there. We saw it. Um, it's been apparent all through the season. It was apparent when he begrudgingly signed his qualifying offer in the offseason. Um, so it seems like this is going to... It's all, it seems like this is almost like an Aaron Rodgers, New York Jets kind of thing, mm. where it's just like, it's going to happen. We're just waiting, and both sides are kind of doing their last-ditch posturing here. Um, you brought up a good point here. So let's make... Let's pitch it. Let's, let's, let's do make, it. Let's make a trade. Let's say we're Kevin Cheveldayoff. Yes. First of all, we have to wait about seven years to make a trade, because that's what he likes to do. But after those seven years pass, right. then we're Kevin Cheveldayoff, we're ready to make a trade finally. Yeah. Um, let's pitch it. Why don't you go ahead and start? Okay. Um, let's, you know, per, let's do some role-playing here, Ryan. I am Kent Hughes. I don't, yeah. I don't have to use a, a, a French-Canadian accent, which is great. Um, Definitely. So I, I'm, I'm Kent Hughes. Pretend I don't have any hair. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you be Kevin Cheveldayoff, and you yeah. pitch me, and then, I will, and then we will reverse, and I'll pitch you. Okay, I love this. All right, so my pitch, I'm... Because Pierre-Luc Dubois is a 24-year-old two-way center still under team control, mm-hmm. he has RFA Arbright's this summer. Uh, so obviously this depends on when this trade goes down. Whether, you know, yeah, let's um, say it's the draft, I'd say. I sure. feel like that's probably when this will happen. Sure. Yeah. Um, okay, so what I need mm-hmm. is your 2024 first-round pick. Uh, and if you want it top two protected, then I would need it to be conditional where the 2020, where it could be 2025 Unprotect, unprotected. 
and Jordan Harris, the young defenseman, uh, since you have so many young defensemen already, and I would love somebody that can move the puck on the back end uh, to add to what I already have in Winnipeg, led by Josh Morrissey. So that is my initial pitch, is a 2024 first-rounder and Jordan Harris. Wow, okay. Well, I, if we're doing this at the draft, and like you, you really want this player. Now, mm-hmm. here's the thing. Winnipeg, we don't have, we don't really have, I mean, we do have leverage because we can just keep him. Like yes. it's, like, yes. so you're Montreal, you really want this guy. And if you really want to wait another year for him, go ahead. But that's another year that we're wasted away. Mm-hmm. So if I'm Kevin Sheveldayoff, I feel like I have some leverage here. Yes. Um, and I go, like, we don't have to trade him to you. Like, right. you, if you really want him, go for it. Let's say we're doing this at the draft. Okay. I want Florida's first round pick. Ah. I want that right now. Okay. Give it to me. Okay. And then on top of that, and this is, keep in mind, this is Pierre-Luc Dubois. This is, you know, re- reliable, two-way forward. He's still young, yep. still got team control. Um, you know, like former third overall pick. This guy, you know, you put him in a good situation. He's money in the bank for 30 goals every year. Uh, you know, like close to point per game kind of guy. He can, he can do this. I want Owen Beck as well. Ooh. I want your first. I want Florida's first round pick that they gave you for Ben Chirot. That's if you're looking at this from if, like if I'm looking at it from your perspective. Yes. And keep in mind, this is this that's a that's a that's a outlandish trade trade proposition. Right. So, I'm, but I'm coming at it from a perspective of, and this keep in mind, this is not. I don't think they'll say yes to this. Uh huh. But I'm Kevin Sheldayoff, and I'm going. You don't have leverage. You really want this player. Yeah. We can just keep him. And yeah. then if you want to sign him for free next year, go ahead. But like. We're still going to have another year of this guy. Mm-hmm. Or we can trade him to someone else. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, we can do that. We, like, I'm, I'm Kevin Chevalier. I don't play by the rules, okay? Right. Um, so I'm want your, I want the first-round pick mm-hmm. that Florida gave to you. That's an extra little asset that you have. Yep. Uh, it's, it's a, the, there's a good chance that both of their, top, their picks might be top five, like, or top six or anything. Like, but I want that pick, and I want to own that. Very intriguing. And if you say no, then that's fine. Then uh, you can continue to watch... Noted Winnipeg Jet Pierre Luc Dubois tear it up on the ice uh, right. while you guys uh, you know like tried rehabilitate Dennis Gurianov or have Rem Pitlick down the middle or something you know but yeah. that's just where we're at. There you go. I had one other thought. Oh, hit that me! Hit me! It might be too wild, oh. but I just wanted to throw down. There's the nothing universe. too wild here. Yes, yes. The trade is one for one. Oh boy! Pierre Luc Dubois for Kirby Doc. No, they're not giving up Kirby Doc. No. That is a that is a like first of all they gave up a first round pick for him. Yes, they did. Um, and a third. But Pierre Luc Dubois was traded for Patrick Laine. No, that's that's absolutely true. But Patrick Laine, I think at this point in their careers, Patrick Laine is better than Kirby Dog. And I think that they're I think for for Montreal, I think they're just like they're so proud of themselves that they found that they got Kirby Dog right. that they were able to unlock him. Yeah. And like on top of that, too, is that he's like he he's you know cost controlled for the next little bit. He certainly is. He's a young guy, and also he has a huge affinity for that organization for basically saving his career. Right. So I don't. I think that they just want to. I think they want to keep that guy. I don't yeah. think that they would give that Fair. up. I, I just wanted to throw that out in the universe. Look, I when I was thinking of this, I I was looking down their cat friendly page this morning, and I went like, hmm. Like, who are you, like, good young assets they have maybe? Yeah. And I'm like, Kirby Doc. And I go, no, there's no way. But yeah, you never, never know. Say never. You never know. Um, all right. I feel like this, is one, this, is, this time of the year is maybe your favorite time because it's NCAA mm-hmm. signing season. Yes. And you're someone who follows that like crazy. Yeah. Um, you know, th- th- you love it. And so there have been a ton of players that have signed lately, you know, like even more recently, Matt Coronado and Sean Farrell. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt Coronado in Calgary, Sean Farrell in Montreal. Yeah. 
Um, now, when it comes to you know NHL players or NCAA players, sorry, signing NHL deals, you know, there's not a ton of runway left in the season, but we can right. see where they go. Um, who do you think is going to make an impact coming right out the gate here with okay. these deals? So um, we'll talk a little bit about those two guys first. Yes, and let's then do I that. Have, and then I have my secret weapon that I'm going to oh, unleash. Okay. Uh, even though I wrote the question in the first place. <laughs> uh, so Matt Coronado, uh, very interesting because mm. he's always been a very strong player. Like yes. Physically strong. Uh, you know, a great career at Harvard, put up a lot of numbers. And you know, going to Calgary, and again, going back to a, uh, what Daryl Sutter had said the other day, is you know, Coronado played some center at Harvard, but he was drafted as a winger, and at the NHL level, is probably a winger. Mm-hmm. I like that because again, you know, when you're playing on the wing, it's less responsibility, and. You know, I'm, I mean, Coronado is a responsible player, but you're making a huge jump from the NCAA to the NHL. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like the idea of him being kind of a complimentary, like almost like a Zach Hyman type player yeah. uh, early on in his career. And, you know, Calgary, I mean, they're fighting for their lives now, so I'm not sure how many games Coronado's going to get in because you really can't be training him on the fly. No. Um, you know, if things go completely sideways for the Flames, then I, you probably see in the last couple of games of the year mm. where it's like, all right, let's yeah, just get things are done. reps. Yeah. Uh, Sean Farrell's interesting in Montreal. Uh, you know, smaller guy, but super smart, great offensive instincts. Uh, again, put up huge numbers at Harvard. And, um, you know, again, this is a player that I think will probably fit in your, like, it seems like he's destined to be like a second liner, yeah. um, you know, a guy that can put pucks in good places and, and, and get production. And again, right now in Montreal, like anything goes because oh, they're yeah. out of it. You know, Marty St. Louis is evaluating players. He's helping, you know, bring them along. You know, Raphael Harvey Pinard had a hat trick the other day, you know, good for him. And as we say, Kirby Doc having a great season. Um, and, and this is the time where you can kind of play in the sandbox because mm-hmm. the stakes could not be lower. So for Sean Farrell, it's like, go in there, let's see what you can do. Heck, maybe we'll even toss you on the second power play. You Why not? Why not? Yeah. Let's just see what sticks. Uh, which leads me to uh, the final player, mm-hmm. uh, Tyler Clevin. Oh, yeah. Recently signed uh, by the Ottawa Senators. You know, uh, they drafted him out of the University of North Dakota, which is where about half of the Ottawa Senators have come from. Mm -hmm. Um, He has played with, like, Jake Sanderson and, you know, Shane Pinto, Jacob Bernard Docker was there. Uh, It's hilarious, but it also, it's like, well, if you're going to draft from any program, Nodak's a pretty good one. Uh, So you can't really fault them there. But Tyler Clevin's fascinating because... We don't see a lot of defensemen like him mm-hmm. anymore. Just a hard-hitting, like, tough dude to play against. And, yeah, you know, he, he brought some offense to his game. But I see him more as that stopper, that guy that Sens fans are going to love because he's just going to, like, cartwheel someone with a hip check. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I don't think there will be much of an adjustment – in that regard because, you know, he's like 6'3", and like, Mm -hmm. I don't know if he's like 210 pounds or 214, but I'm like, he's a big dude. And, you know, he's had a couple of years years in college where he's playing against older guys. Uh, So, yeah, there's going to be a bit of an NHL adjustment, but I don't think it's going to be too bad in terms of the physicality. I think he can be a real boon for the Senators Mm -hmm. in that regard. 
and you know continue to bring another weapon to a blue line core that has exciting pieces. Obviously, you know Chikrin and Thomas Shabbat are the headliners, but Jake Sanderson's having a very nice rookie season. And then you know you toss in Tyler Clevin, where third pairing guy, uh, you know can kind of change the momentum uh, with one of his shifts. I, I think it's be really fun just to see what he can do down the stretch. Yeah, and and one thing about Montreal and uh, Montreal and and Ottawa here too is that injuries have really ravaged them lately. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's a, there's a lot of space for these guys to run. Like you know, like you just mentioned, Chikrin. Like Chikrin's injured now. He's likely going to miss the rest of the season. So and Tyler right. Clevin really wants to. If they really want to just be like, hey man, let's see what this kid can do. Let's throw him out in the top six. Let's see or top four. Sorry. Let's yeah. see. You know, if he can run with the Bulls, if they will. Yeah. Um, and then on top of that too, like. Uh, uh, you got Sean Farrell coming in here, and it's like, yeah, well, you know, <laughs> like Cole Caulfield is, is injured, and yep. you know Mike Hoffman serving a two-game suspension. And just everyone, like everyone, is is hurt on that team. Maybe give him a shot. There's a lot of uh, uh, you know studio space to run with. Indeed, One is. that I'm really excited for. I'm not sure if he'll get games, but I think he should because they're basically done at this point. It's Devin Levi, and we mentioned him a yeah, ton. Yeah. Um, but like this is a this is a guy who, I mean, you mentioned it last episode where. Um, you know, like sometimes what will help with these sort of these goalies going on crazy runs to start is that no one has the book on them. Yeah. Like no one really knows. And I think, and obviously it's not going to help for a playoff push or anything, but mm. Devin Levi, a guy who probably has to have the most confidence of, ever at this point. I mean, he's going to win the Richter award likely. He's, you know, he, he's one of the most dominant goalies in college hockey we've seen in a very long time. Um, incredible statistics all across the board. And yes, he's you know maybe two inches shorter than you would like him to be. But I mean, like Buffalo, outside of you know the uh, outside of 42, 43 year old Craig Anderson at this point, like like they they Pekka, uh, Uko Pekalukinen has has had a, an up and down you know interesting year. Yeah, like yeah. he's been fine, but you know he's an eight ninety three I believe right now. Mm-hmm. You know that's like that's a good building uh, yeah. spot for him. We've seen him be good in stretches, but overall statistically hasn't been great. So why not give Devin Levi you know like three, four, five starts down the stretch, see what he totally. can do against, you know, like the best shooters in the world. And I'm, I'm really excited to see what he can do. And then he hasn't signed yet, but like obviously Matthew Nice. Like, yep. like he will, he will have, I believe if they, like, so when they, uh, um, they're in the front, Minnesota's in the frozen yes. four. So yeah, you so will he still has some see time. him until April like, 9th, I believe it is. Yeah, I mean, if Minnesota loses in the semifinal, uh, and I would give it even odds because it's yeah. pretty good Frozen Four this year. I think anything can kind of happen, but yeah, April 6th is yes. the semifinal. So hypothetically, April 7th would be the earliest. I believe, best case scenario, or I think, no, I believe, like, regardless of anything, he'll have a maximum of three games, mm-hmm. uh, uh, three regular season games. But even right. those three games, like, like there, there's there's a good chance that he factors into the playoff lineup. You know like I, I do think so. That'd be very interesting to see. Another thing, real quick, before we move on to anything else, is that the Toronto Six won the Isabel Cup. That's right. Um, you know, incredible game. Yeah. Goes on. Goes on. Fantastic uh, winning goal too. Fantastic winning goal. OT winner. Mm-hmm. Um, what a what a what a likable, amazing team. I just want to give a shout out to to all of the like played at Mullet Arena. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of fun. I just want to give a shout out to all the players. You know all the staff management. You know even what what was great is that uh, real quick story to tell is that um, their social media guy uh, is a guy named Richard Coffee and he's a you know he he's he's a really passionate guy and I have a very soft I have a soft spot for stories like this because it happened to me too where basically he was he was looking for jobs looking around he just didn't seem like there was a space in the industry for him um, I remember him reaching out to me and stuff and just 
basically being like, I know you went through this, you know, like, it, it, you know, well, is there any way to sort of get through it? And I say like, it's, it's tough. You just gotta just keep grinding. And I know that's the tough thing to say. Mm -hmm. um, he looked like he was basically out and then he gets hired by the, uh, uh, the, the Toronto Six to be their social manager. And he did a phenomenal job on social media all the way to the Isabel Cup. And, was able, and so he go, starts the season thinking, oh man, you know, I think, I think my, I don't think sports media has a, has a spot for me. And by the end of it, he's holding the Isabel Cup, tweeting yeah. about it. I think that's great. Love stories like that. Congratulations to the Toronto Six. Um, what an amazing ride. All right. The Flyers. Yes. They're, they're the hot topic, hot commodity when it comes to sort of like talking points lately. Mm -hmm. um, things are changing. There's dysfunction everywhere. Um, but they did see a great run by Tyson Forster, one of, yeah. their, one of their best uh, best prospects. He had seven points in eight games. They sent him back to the HL. But this does seem, and they just signed Emil Andre as well, this does yeah. seem to, to hint towards maybe some brighter skies ahead. Have the vibes for next year. This year's a lost cause. Have, for, yeah. have the vibes for next year improved? I, I feel like they have because you're starting to see those young players really mm. sort of get that confidence. And, you know, Tyson Forster has always been an awesome shooter, you know, mm. great goal scorer in junior hockey, and then got some sort of, we'll call it bonus AHL experience yeah. when the OHL uh, canceled its season during the pandemic. Uh, but for him to do it at the NHL level, even if it's a small sample size, is, is very good oh, yeah. to see. Uh, you know, Noah Cates has been playing well. I mean, Noah Cates pretty much always plays well because mm -hmm. that's kind of his MO, is like yeah. great motor, like does everything right. Uh, you know, Owen Tippett's having a good year. And those are the young guys you want to see just, you know, getting confidence, building their game, mm -hmm. heading into next season. And, uh, and then, yeah, Emil Andre uh, coming over from Sweden for the rest of the season uh, at the AHL level. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, he'll be with the Flyers next year. Like, I don't even have any question about that. He was amazing at the Summer World Juniors. Uh, I was there in Edmonton and Sweden. It was basically Emil Andre and Jesper Wallstead. Yeah. Uh, like, they were the guys that showed up. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Sweden, it was a very up and down tournament, but Andre was incredible and Wallstead was obviously amazing in net. Uh, but this, you know, this is a kid that I, I think Flyers fans are going to love him because he's really competitive. Uh, he's not big, but he'll throw the body. Yes. I think he's only five foot nine, but uh, you know he's pretty sturdy, mm -hmm. and uh, and he can contribute to both ends of the ice. So that's great. And you know you look at the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, uh, their AHL affiliate right now. Got Bobby Brink and, in that, uh, down there. Got Bobby Brink. Yep. I love Bobby Brink. Um, I think they're fifth or sixth in the conference, so they're. They're not guaranteed a playoff spot, but they're, they're pretty much, yeah. they, like, they should be there. And so you get more experience. You, you hope that they can go a round or two, and those players can get a little more experience, and that helps them, you know, go into a good summer and then have a good camp. And then you reset. Hopefully some of your, your veterans are a little more healthy, and, uh, and you see what you can do. I'm looking at the, at the Lehigh Valley uh, Phantoms roster as well, and I completely forgot that Artem Anisimov is on, is on them. Wow. Right and Adam Brooks, legend. Anyway, sorry, the total... Yeah, I, you look, I think that there, there's a lot of positives going forward with the Flyers. I think, I think the emergence of Owen Tippett is huge, not mm. just because that's a great young player that you have. He's got an incredible shot. He's someone who you can basically plant on your top power play unit for the next, like, five, six years and yeah. be happy with it, but also that he was a central part of the return for 
I would say the closest thing you have to a franchise icon uh, in, in the modern era. Like, mm. you were really bent over a barrel uh, in that Claude Giroux trade, and you were able to get a guy who will hopefully, and by the look of it this year, 20-goal season on a terrible team, yeah. um, factor into your team uh, for a lot moving forward. Everything you mentioned is, is really going for, really, really sort of helping them. Um, but it's, it really is difficult for me to, um, to be, high, or I guess, sort of optimistic on the Flyers with a lot of the contracts that they have. Sure, um, fair enough. I'm, like, it's tough for me to be optimistic when you have a blue line that is anchored by Rasmus Line yeah. and by Tony D'Angelo. Mm. And then on top of that, like Travis Sanheim, great player, but you just signed him to a huge you know, ex- extension that maybe he's not super worth at this point. And he just, like, it... Uh, it, it, and then, and then the the piece de resistance is I just do not trust John Tortorella to be the coach for this team. Like I just don't. I really see at this point. I I think you're still in that Tortorella era where he's a very effective coach. Is he? I don't yeah. think a lot of players are having fun. Like I really like. I don't think that. I, I feel like he's already worn out his welcome. I feel like yeah. we've 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 seen a lot of sort of like bubbling unrest there. Um, I think that. The fact that Tortorella was such a like Chuck Fletcher guy, and then they then and then they unceremoniously let Chuck Fletcher go, which was the best move they could have made. That is something. Right. That, if Chuck Fletcher was there, I would it would have been a resounding no. I right. don't think that the vibes have returned. Yeah. But on top of that, you you do have uh, he was a Chuck Fletcher guy, and then um, a, 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 the report is that that Dave Scott, who just uh, retired, he's the CEO of Comcast, was the one to let Fletcher go um, while, the, while the old guard, you know, the mm-hmm. old advisors there right. were, were not told that, or like they, they didn't have a factor in that. And Tortorella was a Fletcher guy, he defended him. Right. So I feel like Tortorella's probably miffed about it. There's just like a lot of things that make me feel like there's not a ton of sort of uh, synergy within mm-hmm. that front office. And then you look at some of the contracts they have and I just, I'm, I'm not, I, I, I just don't know. I think they, I think they have some some good young players. I think yeah. they'll come up, but I don't trust John Torrell to play the young players in in a way that will help them be as good as they can. And uh, I, I really don't trust management at this point to continue building, you know, a team that, you or or to reverse course on the fact that they built a pretty bad team going yeah. forward. And you know, like put some even like Danny Briere, he's in there, but apparently he's not. He doesn't really, he's he's not well liked by those. Um, at least these are reports that I've heard. He's not super well liked by that by those old school advisors, mm-hmm. and I wonder how much that will get in the way mm-hmm. of him trying to do his job, or whether he even sticks around. We don't know. Just a lot going on there. I don't have a ton of optimism when it comes to the Philadelphia Flyers, but to be fair, like you said, they have some great young players that are coming up who have managed to succeed in some very very difficult circumstances, mm-hmm. and I think if those trajectories continue along like they have, it will at least be a better season than this. That's yes. for sure. Yeah. So I think based, so if you really want to say, it compared to this season, I think the vibes have improved a bit, yeah. um, but like, but then you expand that comparison, and I think the vibes are still pretty rough in mm. Philly, but we'll, uh, we'll have to see. Sorry to be the downer. I hey, apologize. no problem. But you know what? I'm going to speak my truth. You should. I will. Um, and then finally, look, we've talked about the, the wild card. We've talked about th- these races. They're still, they're still surging on. We have Vegas. We have LA. We have Edmonton. They've all been on heaters lately. Yeah. One team that, uh, that I have not mentioned there is Winnipeg because they have not been on a heater lately. Yeah. And we said that last 
Uh, we said that last episode as well, but who comes out of the Pacific uh, playoff bat bracket? Because it's been crazy, crazy tight, and yeah. things seem to be shifting every day. Yeah, like Vegas, Los Angeles, and Edmonton are all red hot right now. Yeah. And you know, watching these teams just in the past week, uh, it's like, wow. Like I mean, Vegas and Edmonton played each other, and that was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Los Angeles, uh, I mean, they really snuffed out Winnipeg. Yes. Uh, on the weekend. And you know, you look at that Kings team, and they have so many good elements, and they have so much experience. Um, you know, the goaltending, obviously, with Eunice Corpusalo coming in, uh, is uh, better than what they had before. Yeah. Uh, or at well, least it's just a better fit. It's better than, but then Vegas and Jonathan Quick has, is going to spite his way into the playoffs. Totally. Like and sometimes it is just a matter of, you know, a different scenario. Yeah. And, and, and hey, if, if Jonathan Quick ticks off revenge on his motivation ballot, that's fine by me. I love. Surly Jonathan Quick. It's yep. the best kind of Jonathan Quick. He's five and one. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. So, and then you look at Edmonton and it's like, Oof. man, like McDavid and Drysaddle. And, and then you know, like, Yeah, the moves they made at the deadline. You know, Ken Holland like went out and got what they needed. And, you know, I, I watch that team. It's like, I mean, if Stuart Skinner's like good enough, then, I mean, you know, they went to the conference final last year. So it's, it's a really tough choice right now. But something about Los Angeles right now mm-hmm. is just really fascinating to me. There's something about this Kings team that's just like the, the right mix of like youth and experience that I feel that they're like sneaky dangerous. I, I'm just shocked that that quick trade didn't nuke their room. Like I, mm-hmm. I, like I thought that was going to be something that went in there and... They go on, they do the what the Flames did after the Sutter-Peltier thing where it just mm. clearly like that was the straw that sort of broke stuff. But that's a resilient room. They really like each other. And this, yeah. th- these are all phenomenal hockey teams. Yeah. I think, it, it's, and, and I keep saying it every episode, but I'm just like over the moon that Ken Holland did what he needed to do yeah. to, to, to get a good team around McDavid by getting Matthias Ekholm. He's been everything they could have they hoped for. He has stabilized that blue line, improved yeah. everyone around him. Like Evan Bouchard's looking like a legitimate top, uh, top four guy now. Mm-hmm. Th- that's great. And then you've also, you've taken that sort of defensive burden off of, uh, off of that dynamic duo of McDavid and Dreisaitl, and yeah. they are just playing incredible now and able to just cook. Like, let them cook, totally. you know? Um, I, I like. I think Winnipeg is is in a playoff spot right now. Sort of uh, like they're they're hanging on. I think well, to okay. that that second. They're also card. The central though. Oh, sorry. Yes. Yeah. Um, but like it's it, this Pacific division is is phenomenal. And I, I, I don't know, man. Like it's. I, I wish everyone could make it. You know? I was gonna say the funny thing like, is like one of those three teams is gonna be out in the first round because they're gonna have to play each other. Yeah, I just like. I, Man, I look at I look at this division and I go like all three of these teams are awesome. Yeah. I love how all three of these teams are built. Mm-hmm. I love that Edmonton has these two superstars who are going to finally be playing meaningful hockey and continue to be playing meaningful hockey. Mm-hmm. I love that LA is this like fu- like just super fun mix of like high-end young talent and like established like solid, steady veteran talent. Yeah. Um, and then I love how Vegas was just like, we are going to spend a lot of money. That's and right. we are going to try and buy our way. And and so far we have done that. And then, you know, like let's get every big name on our team, you know, for a couple of years. They got Jonathan Quick at yeah. the deadline and it's worked. Yeah. You know, and then they still have, uh, 
Uh, they still have Logan Thompson just waiting in the wings. Like he's he's he, he came back. He was hurt for like two months. Came back, got hurt again. But we'll we'll see what happens in the playoffs. Mm. I love all three of these teams. I hope they all. I hope. I, I, I wish there was a way where all of them could could you know make it to the second round, but uh, yeah. unfortunately, sports is not about everyone having fun. It's true, and it's funny because like you look at it and it's like, yeah, I could see all three of these teams winning the Stanley Cup at this point. Um, yeah, I don't know about the Kings. I don't think I don't think they have the high end talent to 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 make it there yet. But yeah. I think I think that, dude, I think when when like when Quentin Byfield really takes that next step because mm-hmm. he's starting to he's starting to look like. He's starting to look very good, and when he yeah. eventually takes the next step to be like a genuine every night impact player, yeah. when you know when 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 you know the Durzies and the Mikey Andersons and everyone just sort of keeps taking those steps forward, I think they'll be dangerous. I don't think they have it this year. But the thing but that's funny in. is they're not like they might not be like the explosive talents of mm-hmm. McDavid and Drysaddle, but then like you look at like Kopitar and Dowdy and Philip Deneau. And it's like those are playoff guys, and they you got, know. And it's like it's, and that's what's so fascinating about this division is what happens if the Kings play the Oilers in the first round again, again, <laughs> yeah. And you have this like high octane offense versus this like burly, like experienced team, mm-hmm. and the goaltending is probably a wash at this point. Um, yeah. That's what's sort of fascinating. And then of course with Vegas, as you mentioned, all those like great weapons. Uh, and then all that motivation, whether it's Jonathan Quick or Jack Eichel, mm-hmm. for that matter. Yeah. Uh, well, who Jack Eichel his first playoffs ever. Incredible. I was gonna say, like, this is—he's basically guaranteed to be playing his first playoff game of his career. And we're what yeah. eight years into the Jack Eichel experience? Like, it's yeah. remarkable and crazy to see. Uh, you know, I did forget that LA has a secret weapon. They have Trevor Moore. And <laughs> that go. and that from means Thousand Oaks. And from Thousand Oaks, yeah. uh, they have my boy, and I think that means that they are, in my eyes, the Stanley Cup favorite. Um, all right, Ryan, it's your turn for rapid fire this week. All right. I am ready. Uh, I've been preparing. Hit me with your best shot. Excellent. Uh, no Pat Benatar questions. Um, okay. First one. Uh, I know you have, I haven't seen the first episode yes. of the new season, which is fine. But who's your favorite character on Succession? Oh man, like there's so. First of all, they're all great. They're they're all great characters. They're all terrible people. Totally. Oh, but like my, it's funny. My dad refuses to watch Succession because he's like, I hate everyone on that show. Right. I I showed him the first episode, and I think after the baseball scene, yes, he's like, I Uh hate it. Screw these people. I hate. I hope I. If someone, if if they, if their helicopter went down in the first episode and that was just it, he'd be like, I'd be the happiest man on the earth. Right. Um, my favorite character. I mean, look, it's easy to say Greg. I mean, he's the like. If if so, it is said. So it must be. You know, like incredible. But I gotta go, Tom. I love. Mm. I love be some Tom Wobskins. I yeah. I love. First of all, I love his. his um, I love his progression as like the sort of like bumbling suck up, like oh Tom, you know, yeah. to like almost like this. And again, I haven't seen the first episode yet, right. but like this sort of calculated like like guy who really you know fell on his like or, or appeared was ready to fall on his sword, and that just sort of seemed to make him. Look really good in the eyes of. That I love. I also, you know what? No, but I love Carl. Carl's my favorite character. Nice. The, the the scene where they're where they're locked in the hotel in uh, in like was it like Turkey or, or is that, and and they're asking. He's like, I am. Uh, 
actually having a panic attack right now. <laughs> that's my. Fa- that's some of the best line delivery ever. Yeah. I love Carl. He's great. So nice. yeah, I'm going with uh, Roman. I mean, of course. Yeah, because I mean, he has the best lines. Uh, it's like saying your favorite Batman villain is the Joker. Like, come right. on, man. It's but, the but it's. I, I got to be true to me. Yeah, no, I mean, that's the thing true. I love about Roman is because you're right. There's nobody to root for on the show. Yeah. Uh, but to me, that's sort of like the point, which is why it's so much yes. fun. Because yeah. no matter what happens, you you can't really be too disappointed. Um, but the best thing about Roman is that there was times where you're like, maybe he could be the good guy, and yeah. then he'll just do something despicable, oh, yeah. and you're like, nah, he blew it again. And I love that dynamic. Uh, where he'll just make sure that you can't root for him at least like five or six times. They're kind of all like that though. Like they, they're all they're all moments where you think that that each character is going is like starting to learn their lesson, is starting to do something good, and then uh-huh. they will make the worst possible decision they yes. can in that moment and go like, oh, you're right, all these people are terrible. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel Kendall might be the outlier there where it's like, at no point did I think he was going to be the good That's guy. true. Also, yeah. uh, shout out to Jess, Kendall's assistant. Right. I think that she is like the only pure innocent character in the entire <laughs> show because all she does is just go like, yes, okay, sure. Like, right. that, you know, th- she doesn't have any... She, she hasn't been written to have like her own agency really in the show, yeah. but like she's just seems like just a very good employee who right. d- hasn't done anything totally despicable yet. Right. So good for Jess, but I gotta go, Carl. Fair yeah. enough. All, All right. right. Next question: mm-hmm. uh, What is your favorite? I'll just call it YouTube like show. Oh, this is good. Mm. Caravan of Garbage from Mr. Sunday Movies. I'm not sure. Do you know who Mr. Sunday Movies is? No, I do not. Okay, so he's, it's these, uh, uh, I'm not sure even if Connor does. He gave me, a, okay, cool. So these two, these two Australian dudes, um, they, it's funny, they started this, this podcast called The Weekly Planet. Um, it's, a, it's a spoof on The Daily Planet from Superman. Um, but like, because they were super excited for Batman vs. Superman to come out. Um, and it's funny because if you listen to those those episodes, this is from like 2013, so I started listening in like high school really mm. at this. They're all super, you know, they're all super positive and, and they're like, you know, they started it when they were, I'd say probably like 30 or so. Now they're like older dudes at this point. Right. But they um, they were all like really, really upbeat and, and, and then the movie came out and it was bad. And right. everything from there has sort of been cynical at this point. Like they're all just kind of sick of it. But anyway, Carrying a Garbage is, is, is a, a series on um, on the YouTube, the YouTube channel where they basically just look at uh, at at any type of movie series, but they go on, like really in depth on it, um, and there's just like their their style of comedy is really funny. You never see them; it's just like a very good edit. Like mm-hmm. like it's sort of like a voiceover, but there's just always footage and cool fun stuff there. They do trivia, they do all that, and the fact they're Australian, their voices are just very funny the right. way they say stuff. So I just love it. Caravan and Garbage, check it out, Mr. Sunday Movies. It's great. Um, yeah, and also that's cringe, Cody Co. They, they don't do them anymore, but yeah. those were those were very funny. Nice. So I don't spend a lot of time on YouTube mm. because I am an old. Yes. But the one that I really do like is Chicken Shop Date. Yes. Yes. Phenomenal. Yeah, exactly. For those when she asked know. Jack Harlow if he knew how to read, incredible. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, yeah. We actually just watched one where she had Shania Twain on. Oh yeah. That was pretty great. But yeah, the fact that I, it's like. The fact that 90% of her guests were like UK grime artists yes. that I don't know, mm-hmm. it was kind of fun. Uh, like, I kind of wish she would interview like Dizzy Rascal, because then I would have like at least sort of a semblance mm-hmm. or like 
or like the streets or like, yeah. oh, no, actually she did the streets, but it was over Zoom and it wasn't as yeah. good. Um, Same with hot ones, like it just wasn't as good over Zoom. Yeah, yeah but uh, yeah, shout out to Chicken Chop Day. Mm-hmm. Never fails to satisfy, yeah. I love it. And I hope that uh, one day she has Drake on because that's uh, her mission in life. I think her mission in life now too is to have Andrew Garfield on. Have you seen that there, have you seen their I saw the, I, yes, that was Yeah, that was I think good. she's gotta have Andrew Garfield on. I think there that's, yeah, anyway. Excellent, yeah. all right, next one, quick quiz time. Okay, uh, Going back to hardcore, just for fun, oh, boy, like I'm, squirm. I'm gonna be terrible um, at this. I'm gonna give you three options. Mm. You tell me which was not an actual subgenre of hardcore. Okay. Okay. One, emo violence. Okay. Two, crust punk. Three, vegan core. I'm gonna go emo violence was not it. You are incorrect. Really? So yes. violence was a type, okay. Okay, because power violence was an offshoot of grindcore uh, featuring a lot of West Coast bands, and then emo violence was kind of a jokey reference to that, which was more like Florida and uh, I would say, I guess, like skinnier guys mm-hmm. uh, playing similarly, you know, crazy fast, grindy stuff. So emo violence, uh, you know, bands like Palatka, Inhumanity from South Carolina, which mm-hmm. is one of my favorites, uh, and so on and so on. Um, so there you go, you were wrong on that one. Final question, if you were the dictator of a small island nation, and you could have one decree that would make everyone just sort of stay on their toes like, this guy is nuts, uh, what would it be? And I don't want anything like oh, I dark, this. like murdering a certain no. group of people, uh, but just something that, well, I'm just I'm putting it put out. Who do you think I am? I'm, okay. Well, based on the question of being a dictator. Okay. Uh, but just something you would decree uh, just to keep everyone on their toes, what would it be? So I've long, I've long said this, that if I were ever to run for public office, uh-huh. and you might, like I have a political science degree, you know, American Constitutional mm. uh, Studies, but if I were ever to run for office, I would not present any policy plans for like budgetary stuff, like anything. My only policy platform would be you get one free legal punch per year. <laughs> You're allowed to punch one person in the face. If, if you punch two, like there are, right. there are severe penalties for right. that. Like it, like, so like, it, but you, so that means you have to choose your punch very carefully. Yes. Like if you, if you impulse it one day, you cannot touch another person right. for the rest of the year. And if you do, you're going to be harsh stuff, but you get one free mm. legal punch per year. Um, I think that, that is my, because just think about it. Like, I think, I think, I think a lot of, um, unrest is born from, um, um, passive aggression. Uh-huh. And I think if, if, I think it's, it's almost like a less violent method of the purge. I was going to say it's the gentlest purge. It's the gentlest purge where I think it just gives someone a chance to get something out of their system and go like, all right, we've, uh, like, because also the other, the person who gets punched knows like, wow, I must have really messed up for them to spend their one punch on me. Right. Like this is, like they, this is their break, you know, break glass in case of emergency. This is their like, you know, nuclear bomb. Mm -hmm. And they like, wow, I really got to change my ways. Yeah. You know, or let's say two like long, you know, long time friends that were just, you know, like they, they, they had this terrible disagreement and then one day one of them punches them. They go, I mean that much to you that you spent your punch on me? Mm. Thank you. And also like, I, fe- I think you feel better. I now know the gravity of my actions. I think that would, I think that would help society. Gotcha, excellent. So mine would be that if I was running, and it's, I think it's important it's an island nation because you can okay. kind of control the biodiversity. Yes. Uh, all dogs must be as close 
to wolves as possible.、Mm. I don't like the idea of、uh, the fact that humans have、uh, bred dogs for certain traits、yeah. over the centuries. Uh, so as much as like bulldogs are cute and everything,、uh, they are completely unnatural.、Mm-hmm. So like no chihuahuas, no poodles,、mm. no bulldogs. Like huskies,、uh, I guess like you know German shepherds are probably fine. What about golden retrievers? They fine.、Uh, golden retrievers, yeah. Labs. I, I,、uh, yeah, yeah. The Bernese mountain dogs, like those.、Uh, I don't. You can't remember what a Bernese mountain dog looks like. Uh, it's it's a majestic, beautiful dog. Okay, but how close is it to a wolf? It looks pretty. It looks almost kind of like a bear more than anything. Hmm. Okay. Well, that's probably okay.、Then. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't want. I don't want to. Yeah. Like no. 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 Downs. Yeah. No. Like yeah.、Uh, what? What are they called?、Um, like like uh, uh, trendy dogs. They call. Yeah.、Them? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nothing now, teacup. Now I feel like there are some dire implications with this because I feel like. People, like this is something that you just agreed, which means that or decreed, which means that people might already have those dogs. Do you do you then wipe those dogs out? Ah,、uh, no, I'd grandfather them. Grandfather.、Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. In the words of Bob Barker, have your pets spayed or neutered. Okay. Thank、yeah. the Lord. And just to wrap things up, the fake、uh, subgenre was vegan core. I thought it was gonna be okay. Well, I thought you can be vegan and hardcore. It's very common, but that's not your entire identity. Well, or I should at least say. Nobody、uh, formed a band and referred to themselves as vegan.、Cults. Have you ever watched Scott Pilgrim vs. the World? I certainly have. Yeah, so I, that's、uh, like X number three. I immediately thought that was based on real events, and right, so right. there. But I,、yeah. I'm wrong. Well, I mean, it pro it is. Yeah. But no, that was not known. Like if you looked up vegan core, like there's yeah, nothing really there. Not、okay. not that I would ever. Not that I remember. Four o four page not found、exactly. basically. All right. Well, on that note.、Um, As Bob Barker said, get your pets spayed and neutered, and、uh, we will、uh, be back next week with more lovely hockey content and also just crazy、uh, questions that we ask each other because that's always, in my opinion, the most fun part of the show.、Um, use BetMGM for all your betting needs, McKenzie Hockey, and、uh, if you want to listen to past episodes of this podcast or any other of the lovely hockey news podcasts, go to thehockeynews.com/podcast or find them all on their own feeds on every podcast you can find.